0: Welcome to Friends on the Farm Podcast. I'm Donovan, and coming to me live via Zoom is Roy.
1: Oh, we're all doing our own thing. It's our thing. Do what you want to do. Hey, before I
0: get started, doing your own, speaking of doing your own thing, uh, Ray Johnson, Associate Scout for the Padres, uh, and he he has a, a 13-U Padres Scout underclass team that he has out there in North Carolina. Uh, he's going to come on the podcast, and we talk to him, uh, Talking about a man that's doing his own thing, uh, he is changing the way baseball works at the very low level, as in travel, as in high school ball, and um, we're we're really excited for you guys to hear that interview. It's real fun, but yeah.
1: Yeah. He's trying to make a positive impact on the lives of some kids that might not have an opportunity otherwise. Yeah. And yeah. we've talked about how expensive baseball could be for kids coming up these days. It's, it's not like how it was when we were kids, right. where they show up with the duffel bag with all the helmets and, and bats and all that. Now the kids have to have their own gear and they've got to pay for this. They got to pay for that. It's a year round thing. And if you don't have a bunch of money, a it's really hard. Money. It's really hard to make it at the upper levels of youth baseball. So he's somebody that, yeah, he's an associate scout for the Padres. So he's doing some things for them, but it seems like more of his full-time gig is trying to make a positive impact in the lives of a bunch of kids that wouldn't yeah. have an opportunity otherwise.
0: Yeah. God, I hate it. like, you know, your coach gets to the field. He has a big old rack of helmets and like that thing's heavy and it's weird to carry. And you're like 10 years old. You're have to carry this thing or you have to carry the equipment bag which uh-huh. has the catcher's gear or have all the helmets. And that thing's 50 pounds or got, it felt like a hundred pounds back when you're a little kid. Um, you're right now. Everyone's got got to have the gear. they got to pay the money, uh-huh. um, but let's get on to some real uh, minor league news. So check yeah. it out. Batting leadoff. Triple a is now they're adding six games to the end of the season. Last year it was called what do they call it like the home stretch. And it was yeah. uh It was some like
1: fabricated end of the season tournament kind of a thing. Like, Oh, Hey, there's an opportunity to make a little bit more money by tacking on another half dozen games
0: and making a kind of round Robin tournament. So um, that's, they're just adding on six games and that's going to better align with the major league baseball schedule, Um, three home games and three away games. So kind of the same format as that home stretch last year, but they're just adding the games on the end of the season. Uh, And that's uh, in triple a.
1: Yeah. So as far as we know, the lengths of the seasons in double-A, single-A, everywhere else is unchanged. They're just making that a little bit longer. So I'm, I'm curious what the reasoning is behind it. I'm not mad that we get a little bit more baseball. I'm sure the right. folks in El Paso are happy about right. that. Right. Definitely. I would think
0: also that it um, a, a better aligns with the major league team. Also, since the, you can't the, the expand the 40-man roster or, you know, when September call-ups, you only get a call-up with one guy. In the past, you call up four or five. You give how many? You add like 10 guys, right? And you get to look at those guys, but now they're not. And now right. you bring up one or two guys. I think they expanded to 28 uh, players on the roster. Mm-hmm. Um, so the rest of those guys get an extra six games of development, you know?
1: Right. Now there's a little more, a little other news that we heard recently about AAA. They're going to have the automated strike zone in 2022, So that was a little surprising. Uh, I I thought that we would see that kind of filter its way up through the levels slowly as the years go by. Uh, But the fact that they're throwing it out there in AAA this year tells me that they have some confidence in both in the technology behind it and in the implementation of, of what they saw last year. Now they had it in high A, right? They had in high A and then they had, obviously then they had in the Arizona fall league, right? They've had it in the Arizona fall league for a while. Um, and at first the question was, well, okay. So they're implementing it. They've got the little, the, the Bluetooth thing that the umpire wears and they hear ball or strike. Uh, and if that was a little bit glitchy, uh, but then it seems like the issues really had more to do with the, the actual limits of the strike zone. Right. So you right. saw pitches that really were unhittable pitches at the very edges of the zone. Um, uh, and then over time they made adjustments to, I guess, the parameters of the software that's controlling right. that. So it sounds like by the time the end of the season came around, the, the zone had become a little bit more, more fair, a little bit more right. realistic uh, for what baseball players expect a strike zone to look like.
0: Absolutely. And and now to have it with guys that, you know, used to play major league base, you know, the, in the highest level before it does get to the majors, does signal that confidence. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. And that's in every stadium.
1: Every stadium is going to have that. That's what, so I I think what, there was a hiring notice for seasonal employees to operate the automated balls and strike system for a whole bunch of teams uh, in the AAA West, including the, including El Paso. Okay. Um, and so I think that's kind of what tipped people off that they're doing it. Uh, I don't believe there's been an official notice, right. uh, but the fact that they're hiring <laughs> for that position says it, it says, yeah. it says enough.
0: So I, I can't wait till like, you remember the old, the old video game, and like, <laughs> oh,
1: <laughs> <Straight>. <laughs> Yes.
0: Or like, or, is the, is the Empire of Hamlet going to like be green? Is there going to be like a green light? Boom! Oh, it's a strike. Red
1: ball what what i would love to see them <laughs> work out somehow i don't i don't know the technology is probably not there but you know they've got the google glass or whatever yeah. that people can wear so what if there's like an augmented reality where it projects this this three-dimensional shape in front of the umpire and it's like hovering right. over the over the home plate and then as the pitch comes in they see the little you know, like we see the animation uh, i don't the know F- if it's F- fox or one of them that, that does F- it and, right. and I think ESPN actually is the one they will show like they'll turn the, the view sideways and you see how the, the slider just nipped the right. little edge. So maybe they'll see that little, the little red highlight and they'll go, oh, hey, strike. But right. as long as you got the umpire back there pulling the chain on the fake uh, right. chainsaw, <laughs> I, I, I don't I don't I the, uh, the human element needs to be there. I just yeah. so what happens if there's a, if there's a questionable call, they can't go get in the umpire's face anymore. Like, no, right. that's not a strike. Right. Uh, the, the umpire right. just kind of shrugs and like points at the computer points at the.
0: <laughs> right. You know, it's, yeah, thanks. It not my fault. Um, which is, you know, which I still struggle with if, if I like it or not. I think I said, I liked it in the past. Um, I do like the human element because I play, you know, I play in the rec leagues. We've played in the rec leagues as well. Like, you know, that umpire that's coming. Okay. I know that guy likes calling everything low. Or that guy calls everything high. It does make it more uniform. It does make it more um, consistent. But, you know, there is that human element of the game that will be taken away. And how many guys have we talked to in, in our little quickfire round that have said, no, no
1: strike zone? I like having the guys call it." Right. What's going to be weirdest to me is when there's a mistake pitch. Yeah. So the guy's set up low and away and it's supposed to be a slider and it winds up being a, a cement mixture that stays up. He's got to dive all the way across the zone to, to get that catch. And you know, that a, an umpire would never call that a strike, right. but then it catches the top corner of the zone and it's a right. strike. That's yeah. going to be a really weird look to get used to.
0: Yeah. And that happens a lot. I mean, those pitches, He does. He'll set up inside or outside, and that ball will go across the plate, right, almost sometimes down the middle. Ball because he wasn't set up where he was supposed to pitch. Right. Speaking of not speaking of strike zones, uh, speaking of automated strike zones. um, Finally, good old Country Joe West has retired.
1: Oh man,
0: happy trails to you,
1: Country Joe West.
0: (laughs) I saw Twitter uh, or Fergie Jenkins, I think tweeted, um, the court tweeted his retiring said every time he pissed, I, I called him the, I, I, I called him the blind man. He just, I couldn't remember. He said something like just he umpired by Braille.
1: <laughs> That's good. That's like when you're driving home and you, you, you're falling asleep and then brrr, you hit the right. driving by Braille. So yeah. I just pulled it up. Joe West has been a major league umpire since 1976. I was born in 1979. He's been umpiring longer than I've been alive. That's amazing. I think he set the world, the MLB record for the most seasons umpired and the most games umpired. So you know, respect to him for an amazing career. But holy smokes, did he like in, inserting his personality into the game? And people don't tune in to watch the umpires. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Well, and that kind of goes. To,
0: that kind of goes to show, or it kind of begs the question: How old is too old when? when you're judging things that are going so incredibly fast, sure experience matters, sure veteran umpires have been around for a long time, but the game has changed and the velocity there and the movement of the pitches are as such where maybe a younger set of eyes do really need to be there.
1: Now I understand that there's some sort of uh, evaluation criteria that on a regular basis, the umpires are evaluated against what the, what the tracking systems say are balls and strikes. Um, And overall Joe West is actually a pretty good, when it comes to balls and strikes, he's a pretty good umpire. And that's the thing with umpires is that when they're doing their job, you never notice it. It's when something happens, somebody blows a call or there's something that's borderline or somebody gets in the way. Like the one time he got hit in the chest by a, (laughs) by a foul ball or whatever that was, uh, that, that you finally do pay attention to the umpire. Now, he's been around forever. Everybody knows his name. Um, and he does have a tendency to interact with the players a little bit more than certain other umpires. Maybe that comes from the old days because it used to be that the umpire really was the, the, the general on the field and it right. was their job to manage the game. And there was a lot of personality injected into that where maybe the role of the umpires changed since he came into the league. Uh, but regardless, it's a, it's a changing of the, of the guard.
0: I don't have it. I didn't have it in the agenda, but there are, there were like four um, minor league umpires that were um, brought up to the majors this year. So there are additional four uh, with the retirement of Joe West. They brought up four other uh, umpires. I don't know if other guys retired or if it's just attrition, but um, I didn't put it in the lineup.
1: Yeah. Well, congratulations to those guys for finally getting the call up. Yeah. Right. You talk about baseball players waiting a long time to get the call up yeah. umpires, work in the minors for years and years and years hoping that they'll someday get that call. So i I mean, I'm there are guys that have been umpiring in the minors for 20, 30 years yeah. waiting for that shot. They don't
0: have travel secretaries. They do their own travel. They do their own. They, it's their gig. It, it's their job to get to wherever they need to get. But moving yep. on talking about minor league baseball. So minor league baseball has announced the nine. It's a new initiative to celebrate, engage, and welcome black fans into minor league ballparks.
1: Now, those of you that follow the social media accounts of the different teams may have noticed that their avatars have changed. So now, like the Chihuahuas and the Tin Caps and the Storm, they have the Nine in the middle of their avatar to kind of highlight this.
0: That's kind of cool. So the the Nine, a new Black community-focused outreach program specifically designed to honor and celebrate the historic impact numerous Black players, Black baseball pioneers made on the sport, provide new opportunities for youth baseball and softball participation, Further diversified the business of baseball and embraced millions of passionate fans to MILBs, 120 communities nationwide. Now it was named after Jackie Robinson's number that he wore in AAA for uh, Mont- the Triple A Montreal Royals was the number nine. The Black community focused development efforts will with new national programming and future events, future special events in a co- coordinated and centralized campaign. So the nine will recognize and honor numerous black pioneers and trailblazing civil rights leaders in all 120 MILB communities, ensuring the heroes of the past and their contributions continue to be celebrated through ceremonies and events at MILB ballparks and in the community. Recent tributes and celebrations have included Negro League's commemorative games honoring the Austin black senators in Round Rock, Texas, the Braden, Florida, the Braden, Florida the nine devils and page fence giants near Lansing, Michigan,
1: the Legends play, so I decided to do a little bit of quick little research. Um, so El Paso has a little bit of history uh, regarding uh, black baseball. San Antonio, the Negro leagues were playing as early as 1949, uh, but in Fort Wayne, uh, Negro league baseball goes all the way back. So Fort Wayne claims to have hosted the first ever professional baseball league game in
0: 1871,
1: really? uh, and black baseball negro league baseball has been going on in in fort wayne since before the turn of the 20th century uh fort wayne has an extensive history so i expect to see some really interesting things coming out of fort wayne
0: we got to have john nolan on or mike nutter on during the season and talk about that kind of stuff that's really i didn't know that
1: yeah they've uh let's see the fort wayne colored giants was the only black baseball team to represent the city for 42 years, from 1907 to 1949, uh, other Black Fort Wayne teams included the Black Diamonds from 1916 to 17, Dupays All Nations in 1919, Riddles All Stars from 1920 to 1922, the Cadillac Colored Giants from 1921 and 22, <laughs> and the Fort Wayne Colored Pirates from 1926 to. the, into the 30s. Indiana had over 37 traveling black teams extending from West Baden in the south to Fort Bend in the north and Evansville in the west to Fort Wayne in the east. Woo! So with several
0: uh, MLB teams heading a historically black college and university in their communities, opportunities will be provided for those schools to start internships and mentorship programs with their local team, creating opportunities for on-the-job experience for students prior to entering the job market. So that's another great initiative, you know. It kind of coincides with the Copa de um, División, the Fun Cup, with mm-hmm. the um, you know recognizing and promoting Latin culture in Minor League Baseball. That's that is really kind of had some really cool hats come out, really cool names. Sorry, El Paso, those margarita uniforms, those woo neon <laughs> lime green uniforms. We love you, but man,
1: kind hey of they. They love them down there. You go down to (laughs) go down to El Paso and you'll see you'll see people walking down the street wearing some some lime green. So but over the years, there has been a declining trend of of black players in professional baseball. Uh, And so I know MLB has been trying to to raise awareness and create opportunities for players in underprivileged communities, because as we were saying, it's become a rich kid sport and, and that doesn't work for a lot of you know people that are in underprivileged communities. Um, so like we're going to discuss in our interview in a little bit, uh, you know, there are people out there that are trying to, to make a difference in that. Um, and so this campaign is going to bring a little bit of awareness to the history yeah. uh, behind it and hopefully incorporate some of that stuff. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And I can't wait till you guys hear Ray Johnson's uh, interview with that. But well, let's move on. So, the Athletics, Keith Law has ranked the Padres' major, the minor league system,
1: uh, and they came out fifteenth out of thirty, which isn't bad. Which really I mean, it's bad. not it's not bad after the last few years where we've talked about how great this farm system is, right. and number one, and all these top one hundred players. It's a little bit of a, of a, of a, it feels deflating now that you look and there's four guys to stand up above the rest. And then there isn't the depth behind them that there has been in recent years. Now we can look at the the teenagers, the 18, 19, 20 year olds that, that you, maybe they'll blossom into something and they'll, and then as time goes by, maybe that ranking will go up. Uh, right. But I think it, it really speaks more to just how many players the Padres have traded away from that system, yeah. um, and it, it, it as a fan you would we're waiting for all these trades and all these moves to kind of turn into something great. Uh, yeah. So we have to keep our patience. Um, well, and, and you know that's true. We did trade away a lot of, and if last season wouldn't have been such a dud,
0: if we would have made the playoffs, we would have been okay with fifteen. You know, we were okay. Okay, we traded to Peter Marcano, Luis Patino. Um, You know, if um, if Adrian if Morajone and Michel Baez didn't go into the knife, we'd be like, okay, you know, maybe the Padres can develop some guys to be major league uh, impact players. Um, But it didn't. You know, the team tanked the last third of the season. Adrian, you know, Morajone and Baez are, are going to be coming back next year, which is another, uh, you know, year of delayed development. And, you um, I I want to say execution, but, you know, in in those trades, we got you Darvish, we got Blake Snell, we got, you know, Joe Musgrove and and Austin Nola. We got solid major league players that are competing at a high level.
1: Mike Clevenger was the, was the big deal that really traded away a lot of that talent. A lot of guys went to Cleveland in that deal. (sighs) So if he hadn't gotten hurt, (sighs) uh, you know, if, if, ifs and buts were Fruit and nuts, and every it'd be Christmas. <laughs> ding, 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 bang. I don't know where he <laughs> got.
0: <laughs> um, you know, yeah, they got rid of that guy's like Gable Arias, who was, uh, you know, made up the AAA last year. And I think was their organizational AAA player in the Cleveland Indians. Like he was, a, he really yeah. broke out.
1: He had an outstanding year. And Cal Quantrill has blossomed into a legit yeah. major league starting yeah. pitcher. Um, yeah. Yeah, it seems like he found another gear with Cleveland. So, one of the critiques of the Padre system was that they get all this talent and they get up to double a, they crack triple a and then they don't take that next step. So right. hopefully all the turnover that we've seen in the player development system just in the last few months um, is going to, is going to change that, that tide. So now when we see guys that are on the verge, like Mackenzie Gore, we've been waiting for him to break out Right. that you, maybe these guys are finally going to start. We're going to see the graduating minor leaguers turning into major leaguers becoming impact players in a short period of time
0: yeah and we're going to move on to that in a second but then it's true but once you get to the major league level like it takes some time I mean rarely do you come in and be as dominant as say Fernando Tatis Jr. you know you, you it takes time for the pitchers to adjust it takes time for the for the players to adjust so you get them up you know they get a year in maybe two years, and maybe they struggle like cal control cal control. Sorry, um, really is an example of that. Like he did okay. Like he had some stretches where he was just lights out, but we use him to get a you know, a guy that was proven in, in Mike Clevinger.
1: Um well, we look at the other teams in our division, you look at the Dodgers and the Giants, and it seems like every year they get a handful of guys that come up from the minors that they weren't really on prospect lists, right. but all of a sudden you got uh what is it Billy McKinstry or Zach McKinstry? What's the outfielder's name? Uh, yeah, Donovan Zach. Solano that came up with with San Francisco, yeah. and all of a sudden he's a doubles machine. It, that's what it, we need to see: the the depth of the minor league system support the major right. league the major league right. team.
0: Absolutely. So moving on, Dennis Lynn wrote a uh, what a good season for the four Padre minor leaguers and Keith Laws top one hundred would look
1: like. I found this very interesting. So the Padres have four prospects on Keith Law's list of top 100 prospects, including two in the top 25. Law, who remains higher on Mackenzie Gore, number 59, than most evaluators, ranked the overall farm system as exactly middle of the pack, which isn't much of a surprise considering the amount of talent San Diego has traded or promoted. And it's worth noting that the Giants, the Dodgers, and the Diamondbacks all ranked ahead of the Padres. The poor Rockies were all the way at the back of the pack. Still, most teams wouldn't mind trading places with the Padres, partly because of the aforementioned quartet of prospects. While Gore reworked his delivery at the Peoria Sports Complex in Arizona, C.J. Abrams, Robert Hassel III, and Luis Camposano all drew notable interest before last summer's trade deadline. These four should continue to give the Padres an array of options whether or not they stay in the organization, and three of them could be in the big leagues by this summer.
0: Starting with number five, C.J. Abrams. What does a good season look like for him? Thanks to, a series of leg, uh, thanks to a serious leg injury and then a bruised shoulders, Abrams missed out on roughly 300 at pass in 2021. The 162 at-bats he did get were close to everything you could hope for. Abrams made his full-season debut by hitting 296 with a 363 on-base percentage as a 20-year-old in double A. That and was, this was ridiculous. Right. And this was after he didn't get to play in any real games in 2020. So he had that phenomenal hit 400 at the complex level as a first-year draftee, which was kind of phenomenal unto itself, did not play a full year. I'm not sure how much of a COVID camp he was in. I don't remember seeing too much of him there. Um, Comes back and has a full season in double A.
1: Yeah, that was kind of almost unheard of for him to show to come into double A and hit the ground running the way that he did. It's kind of like what Fernando Tatis Jr. did, you know, a few a handful of years ago. So people can look at him as almost that same level of prospect. He's got the athletic ability, he seems to have the feel for hitting, uh, the instincts. Um, He's questioned, he's answered the questions about sticking at shortstop. So nobody seems to doubt his ability to stay at shortstop. People what people are questioning right now is where would he fit on a padre 's roster, but i don 't like asking those kinds of questions because no. you make opportunities for for people when they really are are hitting it, so guys right. get hurt, um, you know maybe he could move to second base, maybe he could play some outfield who knows uh, but a, a good start for him. Um, So as Dennis says, a great season then would be much more of the same thing, plus an uptick in one particular category. He's yet to demonstrate much in-game power, and his output in that regard could be the difference between a big league regular and a perennial all-star. It doesn't need to be crazy, given his age and his frame. More than a handful of home runs would be a start. That's where you remind yourself that he's 20 years old, turning 21. uh, So his body is still filling out, I'm sure. And I saw in a Keith Law chat, he pointed out that both with, with Abrams and with Hassel, there hasn't been any real struggle. Yeah. You know, it seems like they've just kind of performed naturally everywhere they've gone. Um, and so Dennis Lynn points out in the Hassel write up it, it would be, it would be beneficial to see him go through some form of struggle. And maybe this injury kind of kick is, is, is what that struggle represents. Right. Um, yeah, but you want to see somebody face some adversity, work through it and then come back stronger.
0: Yeah, absolutely. With with uh, with Abrams, start double A, make his way to triple A. And maybe triple A is where he finds that adversity, you know, and maybe he even blows through triple A and, and is a, is a midseason call up for some reason and then might struggle. And so then there's the expectation. Oh, my God, here's this kid doing so well. at Triple A. He makes it to the major league level. Then he finds his adversity. Then he needs to make those adjustments. That's when the Padres need to stick with them. Fans that you know need to stick with him and allow him to work that stuff out. It's not overnight. It well, we saw,
1: we've seen Tatis make his way through a whole bunch of adjustments. He just makes it look so easy.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, remember how many the first two, his last two seasons in, in minor league baseball that first month or two was real bad. You know, I was like, oh my god, is he going to struggle?
1: Yeah, we see in September.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so Robert Hassel, on, on the other hand, where does a good season look for him? Hassel's pro trajectory has been bizarrely accelerated. He was drafted out of high school in the middle of the pandemic. Weeks later, he was playing in scrimmages with Tatis and Manny Machado. The following February, he received his introduction to spring training as a member of the Padres' big league camp. Then he out hit almost everyone in Loway as one of the youngest players at that level in an organization known for aggressive promotions. That would make not reaching Double A in 2022 a disappointment. In his first pro season with the with game competition. Hessler so affirmed his standing by hitting 303, 393, and 470, selling 34 bases, and performing better than expected in center field. So, a good. So he, he didn't came up, and it says it here. He came up to high A end of the season, and every level is different. Every level, really, you need to make an adjustment. And he saw his he scuffled with a 28.7 percent strikeout rate, but he hit three bombs in the game. I I still have all that video on my phone
1: too. <laughs> oh yeah, the power is there. The power yeah. is in there. Yeah. So think, as so as yeah. Dennis says, like with Abrams, it wouldn't be a bad thing for for Hassel to struggle some before he gets to the majors. Yet, because of their alternate side experience in 2020 and his uninterrupted 2021 campaign, Hassel doesn't appear all that far behind his fellow elite prospect. He's the same age Abrams was when the infielder debuted in Double A. So he, so Dennis he. Presents this like the the three guys, Abrams, Campusano, and Gore, have a very strong chance of being in the majors. And Campusano's already on the 40-man roster. Gore, yeah, everybody's just waiting for him to take that next step. And then he should slide right into the rotation, you would think. Um, and then Abrams I and mean, the talent, he's just checking every box. Yeah. And then Hassel is kind of a year behind where Abrams was, but then a solid year and a couple of injuries or a a trade this way and that. And we could see hassle in the outfield by the end of the season.
0: That would be, that would be pretty amazing. Um, I think it would be unfortunate because then we have a lot of injuries and there's a need for him to be there. Um, Also, you don't want to accelerate that, that development enough where it stalls it. You know, you, you do well do the minors and then you find some adversity, your first adversity, in the major leagues, it could really, de- you know, it really could derail you. You know, kind of a little bit of what's happened with Mac is just goes lights out, basically takes that COVID season off, comes back, and you're like, who's this guy? What happened to him? Where, yeah.
1: where's, where's McKenzie Gore at? I still think that they, during that COVID season, I, he was at the camp all year. So I, and they were messing, they were working with his delivery, they were doing this and that. And and I I can't shake the thought that somebody messed with his mechanics in a way that just set him on tilt. And he's been trying to find his equilibrium again. Right, right. So moving on to McKenzie. So what yeah. is a good se- good season for him to look like? Basically, the opposite of 2021, or in other words, lots of strike throwing. In 2019, when he looked like the best pitching prospect in baseball, Gore issued two and a half walks for every nine innings he threw. Last year, that number doubled as he lost control of his complex delivery. Gore's late summer return from self-imposed exile produced mixed results. It included his Arizona Fall League debut in which he threw strikes, touched 98 miles an hour, and impressed many scouts in attendance. Then, in his next and final two AFL outings, he had some trouble repeating his slightly adjusted delivery. If he can bottle that performance, 2022 could be the year in which he reclaims the status of one of baseball's best pitching prospects. When the Padres hired Ruben Abla, One of the first things that we saw, the guy that has the condo up, up by Zoom background right here, right there, and those condos had the video of Ruben Niebla down there working with Mackenzie Gore, and that was that was a a great thing for all of us to see because Niebla has a reputation for being able to work with guys, simplify things, break it down to what do you do well, and let's let's you know use that to the best of our abilities. So. I I was glad to see that he was working with him months ago because now that everybody's locked out, now the coaches can't work with the players and the 40 man too. Yep. There are a bunch of guys like, like Gore and Paddock and like uh, Emilio Pagan, uh, you people that hope that the talent is in there. Clevenger and Joe Musgrove. They're throwing BP to a (laughs) guy. Yeah. Yeah. They want to throw BP to that football player. Right. Right. (laughs) Um,
0: you know, I I still believe me. I I still have the highest of hopes. Like, and he's been—he was the funnest guy to talk to. Is he just that long South Carolina draw was just like fantastic to hear on on the podcast. Just hearing him talk. Um, I think there's so much. You know, people are going to forget about him, and I think he talks a little bit about that. You know, in the past few interviews, that he's like, I can't control that. I'm not worrying about going to the majors. I'm not. I'm worried about trying to get this on the right track and getting going. Um, so when I think you take that pressure off and then you have someone come in that may, he might, Neable might just go, you know what, what worked for you before? Let's just go back, just do what you were doing before. Don't mm-hmm. do anything that anyone else said you to do work with that. And then we can work on it. You know, it could be that simple. Probably not, but it could be that simple. Just go back to doing what works. And to hell with the quick step or trying to change that delivery where it's less athletic, you know.
1: Get back to throwing strikes. Absolutely. Right, so, so fourth on the list was Luis Camposano. So Dennis writes, Camposano has steadily improved as a defender, but with three other catchers on the roster, the Padres could use his offense most of all. He's hit at every level and his lone major league home run in 2020 was an opposite field drive that showed Camposano's uncommon strength. The Padres would gladly welcome more of that after they underslugged expectations throughout 2021. Camposano will need to mind his strikeout rate, 20.2% in AAA, but there aren't many players with this combination of power and bat control. For the prospect and the team, the expected implementation of the universal designated hitter could be mutually beneficial. In the meantime, Camposano's potential path to him remains at catcher, where his bat has the greatest value. To stay there, he'll need to work to continue to work on his game calling, which understandably wasn't up to par in his brief big league experience, it might take a trade either of another Padres catcher or of Camposano absent that he would have to out hit the other catchers while making progress as a game caller for now veterans Austin Nola and and Victor Caratini are four more far more advanced as defenders. That seems plausible. Nola remains highly regarded by the Padres, but he's also a 32-year-old who was injured for much of the last two seasons. Right. The acquisition of Jorge Alfaro further clouds the picture, but Capisano clearly has the most offensive potential of the group. So it's worth noting that Alfaro doesn't have any minor league options. Uh, Caratini, as far as we all know, is the personal catcher of Udarvish. And NOLA seems to have the most balanced kind of profile as far as being a very good defender and the ability to be a very good hitter. Uh, so it's, it's hard to see right now with everybody being healthy where Camposano would fit. Uh, but there's a lot that changes between now and the start of April.
0: You know, everyone, including myself added Camposano to like, Hey, we're going to trade one guy. We're going to trade Camposano to get rid of the Eric Cosmer money. Um, I still, you know, I'm beginning to think that's going to be like that uh, power hitting catcher. They're hard to come by guys that can hit and catch and call a good game. Like the worst thing he needs to do is learn how to, you know, communicate better with the pitchers. Because obviously during the season, him and Blake Snell had issues uh, with communication. And that's why he eventually went back to, uh, I think, Caratini was catching for him. We don't want that guy to be traded away just so we can lighten the, the payroll. Uh, to move guys around and then have them come back and just dominate us the next five, six years.
1: For sure. Yeah. It's it's going to be interesting to see how, how it plays out. Um, So spring training, it sounds like spring training is going to be kicked down the road a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and, and, this team really does need all the reps that they can get to kind of sort this kind of thing out. And they also need the time to work with guys that had they are recovering from injury or they're coming off a, a subpar season, um, a new coaching staff. There's a lot of work that this team needs to do. So I'm praying that the MLB and the MLBPA can figure things out. Meaning yeah. pretty much the commissioner's office needs to start negotiating in, in proper good faith, because it seems like the Players Association has been doing their part of making offers, making adjustments, uh, you know, trying to think outside the box where the the owners, the commissioner's office seems to be the one dragging their feet. Right. And, uh, it's, it's driving me nuts. Baseball should be right around the corner. They should be reporting a week from now.
0: I know, and instead, I'm I'm done. I'm getting minor league guys at camp right now. Videos of those guys. Um, it's this is a thir- it's Thursday night. By the time this podcast comes out, maybe as late as Saturday when when Major League Baseball does offer their you know their um their next round of uh, their you know their proposal to players' union. I don't expect there to be um, a, a deal this weekend, but I certainly believe it to be one more step closer. And if they have to push back spring training a couple of weeks to have just maybe a short one month um, training, get the seat to get the season on time to get a full season in. I'm okay with that because right now pitchers, they're they're trying to figure out if they should continue with the throwing program, if they should maybe back it off a little bit, because it really does matter that much that workup into spring training matters for a lot of those guys because it takes all those, it takes pitchers the most to get ready.
1: Right. So uh I the 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 coaching staffs can't talk to the players uh officially but we all know that there's back channels I would hope that the message going out to all of those guys is go ahead and start ramping up like it's a normal spring training right. you start up your normal whatever you're doing your throwing routine get on schedule so that you so that when games theoretically start on what February 28th, I think it was when the first spring training game, yeah. you know, so that you're, you're able to throw a hundred percent effort, so many pitches, so many innings and ramp yourself up because as far as we know, they may cut spring training short. They might right. cut it back to only a couple of weeks of games right. just to keep that, that opening day target right. in, in sight. Because that's really when MLB, when the owners stand to start losing revenue, yeah. is if they start cutting games out of the regular season.
0: Yeah.
1: That's the last thing I see them doing, is pushing the start of the season off. If anything, I see them shortening spring training while they try to get these negotiations on the fast track.
0: Yes. Meanwhile, this weekend will be Super Bowl Sunday. I'll be traveling back to San Diego, I'm not
1: caring one iota of who is playing in the Super Bowl or even the commercials. Not my oh, thing. I'll probably be on the golf course. Right. While everybody else is watching football, I'll be happy to have the golf course all to myself.
0: That, you know, and it really does for me and Lydia. It just, it, it, there it is. We love the Super Bowl because that means it's the end of football season. <laughs> yes. But, and then you know, we can focus we'll, on we'll,
1: baseball.
0: Right, well, we'll see because you know how M- the NFL went away sweet. Okay, MLB, you're next. I'm
1: not sure if we're going to get that tweet this year. Well, maybe not from MLB, but we can get it from MILB. His spring yes. training is going to happen regardless. For the minor leaguers, their schedule is going to start on time. Yeah, um, you know, unfortunately, they're not represented by a union. They don't have a a, a chair at the table. Uh, but for baseball fans, at least, it means that we are going to have some baseball to follow. And for those of us that do minor league focused podcasts, at least, it means we got something to talk about.
0: Absolutely, you know. And, and I really think and I've been kind of telling this, kind of telling this to myself that if the strike does last into the season and if it does prolong, uh, you know, delays the beginning of the major league season and we get minor league baseball started before major league baseball starts, I really think it's going to be a boon for minor league teams for for all the organizations where we're, we're so starved for baseball that, okay, I'll get the MILB package. So guys will get, you know, fans will get the MILB package and they'll start watching their teams, minor league teams, and just start falling in love with minor league baseball. Instead of going this way to go to the major league club, maybe they'll go a little bit farther to go to a minor league ball club that may not be their team's minor league ball club, but there's minor league baseball farther away than the stadium where they normally go to major league baseball and fall in love with minor league baseball that way. So right. I really think this is an opportunity for, you know, for MILB to really shine.
1: Absolutely. MILB can do their thing. Yeah.
0: Do that. All right. So, hey, let's bring on our interview with Ray Johnson um, right after this. Ray Johnson is an associate scout for the Padres, founder of Carolina Elite Baseball, a national travel baseball organization, USA Baseball, North Carolina, and the Padres underclass scout team, and he joins us here on Friars in the Farm. Welcome, Ray, to the podcast. Thanks for having me. So how so how, how did you become an associate scout for the Padres? Yes,
2: that's kind of, that's kind of interesting, man. I did it uh, kind of the non-traditional way. Um, so we'll get to the Carolina Elite stuff, but long story short is uh, I had a baseball organization called Carolina Elite. You still have it. Uh, You know, we, we started getting kids from all over the country, from Colorado to Arizona, North Carolina, South Carolina. So, you know, we're real big on, on social media, man, you know, getting kids out there, posting them. So one day I get a call from Jake Cohen. You know, he's over the International Scouting Department for the Padres and said, hey, man, uh, this is Jake. You know, uh, me and a couple of the scouts, you know, Chris Kemp, you know, we've been following you on a burner account for about four to five months. I'm like, OK, so I'm, I'm trying to figure out, like, what burner account, you know, because there was a couple of uh accounts that had no face on them, you know, uh, around that same time. So I'm like, OK, that, that kind of makes sense. So uh, I, t- I told him I, I think about it, you know, so three days later uh, I call him back and I'm like, yeah, man, that, that's that sounds awesome. That, that's something that I could do. And, um, you know, uh, it was I felt like it was a, a good resume builder to you know, strengthen my journey, you know, in the baseball community. Yeah.
1: So what exactly is an associate scout? What are, what are your duties and responsibilities? So an associate scout, uh,
2: he's almost like a, you know, boots on the ground guy for the part-time scout. So, and then the part-time scout reports to the area scout. So my job is basically, you know, more of the amateur guys, like, you know, um, high school, um, that's my main focus, uh, I have been going to some colleges like the University of Louisville uh, this year um, to recruit some of their guys. But um, my main focus that the Padres want me to do is, you know, more of the high school guys, you know, a little college. So my duties are, man, it's very flexible. That's why I like it, you know. Um, My duties are basically, man, you know, just like – because they know I come across a lot of talent. You know, when I come across some talent or, you know, just basically – you know, um, recommend them to our scouting department. And then our scouting department, you know, we then, you know, uh, go through the process for our scouting the kids. So um, it's very flexible, man. So, my, like I said, my duties is just, just to scout more of the amateur talent and uh, a little bit of the college as well.
0: So do you actually put out a little scouting report, or are you just like text, hey, kids, you know, one, he's 17 years old, he's throwing 84, might have like, more of the tank or do you actually
2: put, fill out a scouting report? And- so it, it's recommended I fill out a scouting report, Um, you know, that way I could go ahead and, you know, continue to get that experience, Um, you know, to start sending it out to Chris and the guys. Uh, but the majority of the time um, I would just basically get them an intro. Like you said, hey, sit six variety, you know, fastball runs, all this type of stuff. And then basically, you know, they would go start, you know, basically, man, they know my word is good, so all I gotta do is just say something like that, and boom, like they they own them instantly, you know. And one thing I right. like about the Padres, man, I talk about just how I'm not gonna talk like say too much, but just I like just the style, style, you know. Um, we don't always just go for the big guys, man, which I like, you know. I'm from a town uh, called Clarkson, right, and it's a town next to mine called Elizabeth Town. I say about a population of. Uh, Maybe six to seven hundred, very small. And uh, we they drafted a kid, uh, two thousand eleven. and Saquon Johnson. He ran a six two sixty. Um, quiet <laughs> kid. Nobody didn't know nothing about him. man. uh, three sport athlete. And um, you know, they come down to this place, number farmland, and they draft this, you know, six three stud. You know, and uh, so basically, what I'm saying is, you know. They have a knack for you know the hidden gems, which is like basically what I'm what I'd like to do as well. So you know that's one thing I like about it.
1: So was there some training that you had to get about about how to go about scouting or how to evaluate, how to compare players?
2: So uh, I didn't really do any hands-on training, but I had a lot of mentorship from um, you know Chip Lawrence, which was the national cross checker you know that that uh you know he just took another job for another scouting department but uh chip kind of you know kind of showed me the ropes you know on what I need to do and Jake Cohen as well and as well as Chris you know um they basically you know told me hey uh this is you know what you need to kind of look for you know uh you know certain situations you know what I need to look for as well so far as Hands on training, no, that's gonna come uh this upcoming year. Uh, this year, uh, actually, uh, two weeks ago, made it one year, you know, that I've been with project. So, um, we're gonna do more hands on stuff this year. This will be my full first four years, uh, actually scouting
1: for you. Happy anniversary! Yeah, Thank absolutely. you, man. absolutely,
0: yes, sir. yeah, because usually when you get you know, your word, kind of be? Uh, Respected that much, we don't get sent to a South Scout School, know. where it's an invitation, where it's a whole school, where it's a whole. I'm not sure right. how long it is. I'm sure it's a long weekend of, of just cramming what they're looking for, what pro scouts are looking for. Yes,
2: yeah, sir. So MLB got a program called it. It's like a it's like an MLB diversity program where they try to get more minority scouts in the program. So. Uh, I was going to go to that, um, but I had to attend another MLB event, which is called the Hank Aaron Invitational. So, um, you know, uh, once I did that, you know, I kind of had to put that on hold. But I will be doing more hands on stuff, hands on stuff with MLB in particular with Mr. Tyrone Brooks and then with the Padres as well, you know, um, individuals.
0: So really, so really when you're out there you're kind of in the middle of nowhere looking at at high school kids, you know, how do you can how do you distinguish kind of like, you know, just a, a good ball player in a small pond, like a big fish in a small pond, kind of mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. so man, how how I usually judge the talent, man? Um, so I hate to say it, man, but uh, so first I'm looking at their physical makeup. I hate to say it, you know, they gotta pass the our test first, you know what I'm saying? Uh <laughs> everybody don't have to pass the eye test first. But definitely got to pass the eye test. And then, man, I'm looking at the physical stuff, but I'm looking at more of the mental stuff. Um, Because if I'm there, they already know. Um, they already good, right? You know what I'm saying? If I'm there. um, So it's more the mental stuff. You know, uh, baseball was a game of failure. So, you know, if they make an air. I want to see, you know, how they react to the next play. Because if they can't do it at the high school level, they definitely, it's going to be hard to do it at the college level and definitely the pro level. So um, I'm looking at mechanical stuff. You know, is the pitcher falling off? Is he tipping his pitch? You know, um, uh, if he's not getting the call, you know, how's his body language? Uh, Same thing with the catcher. And uh, really everybody on the field, I want to see how they respond in pressure situations, man. So, um, you know, and another thing too, man, um, so when I find out about the kid, then I'm looking into genetics. I hate to say it, man. Um, But I want to see, like, basically just, like, family history and stuff like that. That way I could kind of – because I deal with even younger kids. So, like, man, to be honest, like, you know, we scout, man. we looking at kids as early as, like, ninth grade, man. I know, like, people say they don't look at you. And so kids out there, I know they said we don't look at you in 11th or 12th grade. We're looking at your social medias daily. Uh, Our scouting department send me kids' social medias, Instagrams. Uh, You may not know their real name, but they follow – so – just a little gym out there, be looking at you. So, yeah, man. So, I'm looking at, you know, like I said, the physical makeup. That's where I can see projectability because I'm dealing with younger kids. So, if yeah. it's a kid that's six foot two, uh, 13 years old, he might have grew super fast, but he may be capped off. You know what I'm saying? Based right. upon like, you know, family history and stuff like that. But it may be a kid that's six foot one, dad six foot three, six foot four, mom six foot. That kid, may have a little bit high projectability. You know what I'm saying? Like, So I'm looking at stuff like that, man, the whole the whole picture.
0: Real so, quick, every, every time I go out to Tennessee, I look at my dad's hairline. I'm 52. And I'm like, all right, I think I'm going to be good. Like, all right. Yeah, man. man.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir, man. Yes, sir. <laughs> so do you talk to parents and coaches a lot to try to get a little bit more depth about, you know, what what makes this kid mm-hmm. tick? Heck
2: yeah, man. And the good thing about it, you know, um, they scout a lot of my, my our amateur players, right, for the Padres scout team. So, you know, the conversation naturally, you know, offsets to their players. So I'm constantly, you know, like a friend, so I just talked to Coach Monty, you know, at Clemson about his kids. So, and it's crazy. So this is how baseball comes full So as I'm talking to Coach Monty, you know, telling the, pod, like, uh, the Padres about, you know, this kid that I'm scouting for Clemson, you know, Chris can't automatically say, "Hey, tell Coach Monty, you know, I said hello. He coached me back in 2002 at St. Mary's. That's crazy <laughs> how everything comes back full circle like that, man. And uh, so, yes, I'm always calling parents. You know, I'm always calling schools. Uh, I'm, I'm right now. I'm you know in like going to about to start going to some JUCO games. So I'm going to uh, I'm gonna go to Fable Tech uh, this weekend." I mean, not just get yeah, this weekend, and then I will be at Weight Tech on Wednesday, so um, of that following week. So I'm constantly, you know, calling Coach Man. I, I've been blessed with a network, man, as far as like connections, like I really don't supposed to have, you know, this it's early, you know. So, man, basically, man, any school to the power five, you know, I know I taught to Coach Brown at Vanderbilt, which is the associate head coach there, the Coach Corps. Um, you know, really, man, anybody, really anybody you can think of, man, you know, I'm calling constantly. That's what I do daily, just networking, man. And uh, that way, you know, I can make sure I could find a home or look for, or find them gems, you know, at yeah. their homes as well.
0: You know, and that's – it's funny to say that it's a, such a small community. And I, I follow a ton of coaches, from high school coaches to, to the college coaches, and they always talk about, hey, where you are right now and who you're playing for right now. Somebody might be watching you that you're going to play for in the future. So if if you have a bad game and you're acting up or, you know, if you're not acting right and you're not, you know, you're not taking it seriously and you yeah. want to go to the next level, that coach that may be coaching against you or maybe looking at some of the kids, oh, they see you, like mm-hmm. they remember that stuff. So mm-hmm. it's really the makeup on the field is is so incredibly important to just, uh, and I hear it on your guys' Twitter account on some of your videos a long time, ago. go out there, you've done the work. Mm-hmm. Go out, have fun, enjoy yourselves. Not go out and win. Yeah. Do your best and have fun. And that's and that's, and that's the that's the main you know,
2: thing, man. I didn't mean to cut you off, man. Oh. and that's a, I will talk about this later, man. But child baseball has become such of a business where basically it's, it's like kids like little little MLBers man already. So like we gotta preach that to them, man, because game baseball a game failure. You put added pressure on, you know, like fans. we were I was talking to um uh, this minor leaguer man, Kobe Banks, and uh, you know, we were just talking about, you know, like how we uh kind of look at different stuff. Uh, let me, uh, get off that tab. I'm sorry about that, but I uh, like fans. This man, like, this is, let's say, uh, if a kid uh air mails a ball, you know, throw it over, you know, over the first baseman's head, you know, yeah, you just air the ball, but you know, and errors happen, but that arm strength, you know kind of plays you know what I'm saying maybe you just made that mistake so um I want to you know just let kids know you know uh don't put too much added pressure on you especially if you make an error you know as a scout as you a real baseball guy you know that's a part of the game so like you won't be judged as that as much as like the aftermath like what you do you know yeah yes sir
1: Yeah. So something I've seen that kind of bothers me a little bit, I've seen scouting reports on kids as early as like 10, 11, 12 years old. Like how fast is their pop time and what kind of pitches that it's like when you're 10 years old, you should be out playing in the mud, having fun, you know? Right. So now you're coaching kids that are like 13, you're right Mm -hmm. in that same, same time, right? Are people talking about what's my bat speed or how fast am I throwing? Or do you try to keep that stuff kind of off their head?
2: Yeah, I mean, I want to keep it off the head, man. Cause, like, for instance, you know, I know a lot of, our, and I ain't going lot lie, our guys do a lot of our pitchers get caught up in the velo. But I tell them, um, longevity is about you know how 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 to pitch, you know, location, you know, mix and speeds, you know. Um, I tell kids all the time, man. It's like the thirteen level they seeing it now. It don't matter how hard you throw the ball, you're gonna get hit. You can't just like blow like I mean yeah so, some guys you know but like at the high level you just can't just blow fastball the fastball to fastball you know so once they learn once I like once we get in their mind like you know they gotta you need to learn how to pitch. Like fancy, like you said, X and below Um you know um you, know you, guys, you know you have like you know you had the guys doing the pull downs now like they run like run like what ten feet and just throw the ball into the net. So right. like and to each his own you know it must be like part of Vlo program and stuff like that but you know um i feel like it's a certain age and time you know to be doing stuff like that as right. opposed to like 10 right. 11 12 you know right.
1: for sure but it's crazy that's how the game has become it's crazy for real. so when you're out scouting high school kids do you use technology at all to try to like evaluate what you're seeing
2: so just the basic stuff, you know, I I I use the stalker radars. Um when I do go to like showcases and stuff like that, they usually have the uh the route sodos and stuff um, you know, set up. And that's something, man, really um I, I'm getting to like learn more about like far as just like the technical stuff of it, just like how, you know, not just the route solo but like the stuff. As you know, far as um like reading the body movements it's a, it's in more science terms, it's just like little dots right. and lines and stuff like that so um it's helping me out as far as learning how uh, how players move so I will say that um i i'm i I'm young, but I'm still kind of more old school you know more visual you know but yeah. the I do love the technology as well, so though know, that's definitely where the game is going towards, and like fences man um some managers most managers it's not making decisions based off their intellectual thoughts anymore you know it's it's really our technology and numbers and you know it's crazy it's crazy man so i I embrace it you know but uh i i use it to a minimal though uh you know for sure
0: all right so have you when was uh have you had a guy uh that you recommended get drafted and how far has he gone and maybe we know about him
2: so, uh, I haven't recommended any guys that got drafted yet because, like I said, um, first point. I start, yeah, I just started. But trust me, man, um, the guys that I have recommended, they're um, super hard. Um, I, I can give this kid some notoriety. So, um, this kid, local kid, Ty, Ty, uh Mathis, man, you know, I'm not going to try to give out all our, our, our prospects, but, you know, <laughs> kid Ty Mathis. I just put a, put us on, you know, the other day, you know, the 93, you know, writing, man, you know, so uh, hopefully he'll be one of them kids too, man that, you know, because, you know, getting the draft was for sure.
1: Well, so for you, you, so you work for the Padres, mm-hmm. uh, but you also, you you see in all these kids, you want to see them get their opportunity to go on to the next level. So I'm sure at some point, you it's, you want to see them sign. You want to see the Padres pick them. Mm. But if they wind up going on to a career with another organization, I mean that's mm. that's wonderful.
2: That is, and
1: that's the thin
2: line, man, because you know, most people in child baseball, like your quote unquote like big organizations that's producing like that's these kids paying for a high school, like the get seen, you know, by scouts, right? They're all yeah. associate scouts. And they're they're they they doing it for a reason because once you start being a paid scout, then your schedule changes, you really can't do what you you know. Was like you can't really uh, do normal operations in travel baseball if you be a paid scout. So that's the really, that's the reason why I haven't like wanted to shoot up so quick as well. And then you can control a little bit more as well, like you know, as opposed to like just okay, just Padre stuff. But you have kids like you said that may not be a good fit for us, or just may not fall to us in the draft. So it's a it's a thin line, man, between that. You know, uh, I don't. I don't recommend kids to other scouts. They just pick them up just because of their talent level. You know what I'm saying? But um, I, I, if I if I had it my way, I wouldn't change it, man, because I love the flexibility. I love how you can work with so many different kids at so many age levels. If I was a part, even a part-time scout right now, who knows where I'd be? At. You know, I might like, I may be in San Diego. You know, uh, I, you know, so. I like it, man, you know, because you know, uh, I may be like, yo, uh, hey, um, I like this kid from Tulane. So they'll send me to Tulane, and then you know, I'll start scouting them for two days and then you know, come back to North Carolina. Yep.
0: Well, you know, and and there's different levels of success, there's different levels of talent, there's different levels of ability. Sure, I mean it's everyone's dream to be drafted uh by an organization, professional organization, but you know, it may not be for everyone. Getting some of these kids placed into a JUCO, getting these kids placed and recognized into a college, Mm -hmm. to you you know where I work for a university, I I talk to a lot of these ball players. They're just I'm just happy to have an education. Like if I get the pro stuff, that is is sure it's a dream, but it's more about getting an education and having fun playing sports. So there are different levels of 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 success really in this, don't, don't you think?
2: Oh, most definitely, man. Oh, I tell kids this all the time, especially the younger kids. And I understand, man, you know, um, you want to shoot high for you can. You know, I don't want to tell nobody to not shoot high uh, for your dreams. But once it's, gonna, it's a wake-up call, man. I be at JUCO schools. Every division in baseball has somebody at least on 90-plus. Mm-hmm. So every division in college baseball has that power five type guy um juco is actually kind of harder because you have guys that's like fighting for something man if they're going four-year they want to get drafted right right so that's the bro i'm trying to tell you man the competitiveness and skill level is like no other so with that being said you really want to go to where they want you to and where you know it's of course it's a a right fit all together but i tell kids all the time um, you'll be surprised when you go to some of these D2 and D3 schools on how like, how they work and how big their players are. You know, there's their professionalism on and off the field. to really, and just to, to the level of play, man, um, yeah. you know, they'll definitely come out with a whole different perspective. You know, because I'm, I'm trying to tell you, man, Power 5 is more corporate. I, I, I liken it to the business world. You know, me and Major, you know, it's – Wall Street, you know what I'm saying, and then you have like you know your D2, D3s, you know. But man, when it's when it's like corporate like that, man, you know it's this this business business. You know, I've seen kids. That's why the transfer portal was high right now. You know, um, kids transferring every day. Uh, you know, because of you know, various reasons, man. But the NIL has factored in a lot of stuff as well. You know, um, schools is offering different stuff than other schools now that's big man um yeah it's it's man I, I taught a lot of college coaches i put this gym out here it's gonna be some regulations soon because it's free market man you could yeah. you could really make as much money as you want to right now it's really no
0: regulations on anything you know so yeah well, god we can talk about that in the international market all day but yeah, you know, particularly here in, in san diego you know kids um Rancho Bernardo Vista, RBV, is like the big high school here in, in San yeah. Diego. And kids are moving to different, you know, or they're changing addresses. They're yeah. they're doing whatever they can. And, yeah. and you know, it's, it's so true. It's, it's become such a business that yeah. if you don't play travel ball in, in the winter, you might not make the team come spring. That's and best um, best. that's where I kind of want to get into your, in, in, you know, into Carolina Elite and the Padres underclass. Uh, let's talk about that program and, and yeah, focus man. on your kind of like mission statement for uh for the Padres Underclass Scout team.
2: So our mission, man, is from day one, from Carol Lee to Padre's Underclass Scout team, is to make the game affordable for all kids by providing opportunities for all kids. I I could have man did the corporate route, had a whole bunch of teams make a million dollars, two million dollars. But man, you, you feed into the you feed into the monster, then you know what I'm saying. So, um, the parents said the parents uh uh set the market. I always remember that. Yeah, you know, if an organization set a tournament at three thousand dollars and you pay for it, the market is now set because all it takes is one person to pay for it. Uh. So, um, being that being with that being said, it's been it's kid, it's a certain amount of kids based upon how much you make to get priced out of the game. Um, MLB is doing whatever they can To help combat that It's, it's still tough You know, they have like The hankering and Or stuff like that um, So my goal was, man You know, to make the game Affordable for all kids To where they can continue To play the game of baseball Because if not It's just going to be Either you rich and you play Or yeah. you can't play <laughs> I mean, right. seriously For real
0: my, you know? my favorite my favorite story about Travel ball is uh, Andrew McCutcheon Okay. He's like, man, I, I dirt, you know, not dirt poor, but poor family oh. was was just the, I was the best guy on this team. Mm-hmm. And the, the, but the team that was the elite team, the coach wanted me, but I couldn't afford it. And um, that coach took a chance on me and, you know, had, you know, paid his fees to play for that mm-hmm. team. Mm-hmm. And which got him noticed, which got him to the next level. Uh, and it, it, it's true. Like some of the, there's so much talent out there, but unless you, your parents got the money to, to add the money and time money's one thing, but the time to go uh, out and drive your kid all over my, yes. my nephew was my, my brother was paying like 600 bucks a month for his son to play in travel ball here in San Diego. He was 12, 11, 12 years old playing at a pretty elite level. But he's like, I, sometimes I had to go to the, to the coach. i like, look, I'm, he can't make the tournament this weekend. I ain't got the money, mm-hmm. and, and that affects the recruitment game too.
2: Because uh, schools know that if a kid can afford to go to to play travel ball, their parents either in the business world, you know, because like the tournaments, some like the WWBA starts from like Wednesday to like next Wednesday, like seven days. So. <laughs> Schools assume that you know. So when these offers and stuff come, like they, I'm trying to tell you, it's a business, man. Everything factor in like that, you know. So, so that's what I'm saying is you can't get that hit in gym. that can't play baseball because they can't afford it. So you know they know like if they and if they do find that kid, they know like okay, no, I kind of know a situation. So you play child baseball and they coach you. They know that you at least some type of financially sick that kind of, you know, get your kid into school because it's right. 11.7, you know, scholarship. You know. So how
0: do you keep, so how do you keep, um, how do you keep it affordable for kids? Oh, man, I don't get
2: sick over this. Uh, like, you know, <laughs> like literally physically sick, like, you know, because trying to uh, do it the right way, man. Like I said, I could have did it the wrong way, you know, charging crazy fees for my connections. But like, man, sponsors and it's you know how it is sponsors is not obligated to give that's the that's the crazy thing about and they're not i mean it's their business you know hopefully they see a vision so man bro like hell i owe perfect game some money right now for past tournaments you know uh so uh it's sponsors man and if not sponsors man hopefully the parents could like pay some man and so. or not, bro. I'm stressing a heartbeat in a thousand miles, just trying to go you know, put something together, man. And um, uh, so that's how I keep it afloat. And and uh how how I get these top kids is by being genuine. So if I don't have them how can you compete in organizations that's basically offer kids to play for free? And that's basically being genuine, they know that you truly for them and like trying to help them out, you know, whether that's right. on and off the field go to college or whatever. So you know, that's how you know you're able to keep it afloat. So, you know, you continue to help out your kids, but it's a struggle. I'm the only one that's really doing it. All my peers are millionaires in this game, by the way. Every every okay. single one of them that I that we play against.
1: So, what are some of the things that your program does to to help with kids? Is it do you do you get teams into tournaments? Do you uh do you host, do you like do gym workouts? Do you do open practices? So um
2: being that most of our kids are from all over the country um they of course they're training with they training so what we do is you know um we'll meet uh a day or two before the tournament have you know uh modified practices um and then you know we have programs you know to help them off the field as well you know like if it's a kid you know uh struggling with math we have independent instructors you know that we that we have to you know, get the kids, you know, right far as grades because you, grade. yeah. you know how to write grades. you are do the athlete first, trying to tell the kids that you know how to grades, you know, you can't really go. So, I'm really connected with Major League Baseball, man. So, like I said, we have initiatives that, you know, uh, MLB put in like the Hank in Invitational. It's a free event. MLB pays for everything. You know, uh, Ken Griffey Jr. be there. Most of the top colleges, you know, of. Uh, uh, it's just, a platform to provide for kids that can't, well, no, that necessarily can't afford to play, but just uh, great kids in general to continue to uh, grow the game of baseball. That's what I'm really here for, man. Change the game of baseball. Right. Um, when you, our YouTube series, man, we just dropped with the our Padres 13. You minute, every video has 100k views almost. You know, uh, so we're really changing the game of baseball, man, and, and we're showing it in a positive way. You know, so yes, sir.
0: You know, who's been really doing a lot of that work is uh, Curtis Grandison up in Chicago, Illinois. All okay. right, you know, not only just you know uh, have I followed him as a as a as a professional baseball player, but yeah. and he's always played against my teams. Okay, I, you know, following his, I, I can't. It's it's his. Curtis, and it's his. He indoor facility there in Chicago. He's always yeah. doing these programs with with kids and. Um, I, I just see all the work that he does with that, and, and it does. You have to start with the ground up. I mean, sure, he has the money to do it, but he's getting these kids from the inner cities when, that can't afford to go to the – you know, can't afford yeah. uh, the training for, for yeah. stuff. And I really salute guys like that and yourself that are doing this. That, man, that's tough, man. When I started, I was I, I would have
2: six kids in a car, basically driving illegally that many kids in a car, bringing my whole team to the basically the <laughs> tournament – because man, it was just like they, they like of course, of course, like non-family support, and yeah. you know, like I was just trying to go to game. Then man, it's amazing how where I got to like four years, man, to where I'm, I'm driving kids, <laughs> in a small car. They don't basically on lap to lap with each other. I mean, it's crazy, you know, man, and uh now man like people Back are always, in the cars like this it's like that man
0: I'm five bags, j- you got five bags
2: five kids bro it's crazy man when they hop out they're like hold on is it is it gonna stop like is that many <laughs> kids there man i'm like "What, man it's like that bro but man bro my journey has been crazy i literally started from the most bottom as you could start you know what i mean no financial help at all man just started with a vision to help kids, and to now I like on a national level, it's crazy, like. Yeah, it's crazy, man.
0: For real. Also, like you know, you're you, you know you're developing young men, oh um, heck yeah, and, and not That's just ballplayers. Sure, a game, yeah. baseball is a part of it, absolutely. Yeah. But in the pros, is a dream. But developing yeah. young men in, into becoming good teammates. When you become yeah. a good teammate, you're a team player. That translates to school. That translates to work. That translates to how you treat other people and yeah. how you. And like I said, it's a big community. So, yes, sir. Um, you know, I um, I went to a, I worked for a university and mm-hmm. I went to a conference, and Rich Hill was the coach of the USD uh, baseball team. Yeah, and he, he was the leadership class, wow. and you talk about leadership. Didn't mention baseball once. Like, I I'm love not it. Developing baseball players, I'm developing young men.
2: That's it, man. Because you know, ba- this game of baseball, you know, it's 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 not going to always be here, man. So, um. It's crazy, man. I've been talking to my kids about everything, man, from real estate. It's wild, man. Like, I, I'm really, man. So I don't want to say I'm a role model. I have other people try to say it. But in a modest way, I try to be a role model, man, you know, on and off the field. Somebody to look up to. I'm kind of relatable because I'm still young, per se. Not where I out here. I'm about 29, about to be 30. So but what I'm saying is, though, uh, uh um. <sighs> I try to, you know, be that bridge, man, to where, you know, because at a certain point, man, you hear it come out your parents' mouth a thousand times. Yeah, you're going to listen, but when somebody else say it, you know, you kind of hone it in a little bit more. Right. So, right. uh, yeah, man, I'm trying to develop young men, man, because um, I ain't going to lie, man. I, some, most of my kids got good, good families, but it's some old man that don't have that, right. you know, that figure, man, you know what right. I'm saying? So I try to. I try. Like I said, man, we we different. Than any child bar you can think of, travel program, man, we just we do ours basically as as that opposite of what they do, man. It's crazy, it's crazy, man. But it, it's it's tough to do it that way, like for real. So trying to tell
0: you, doing it grassroots with uh, with some you yeah with some authenticity, I'm sure it's real, uh, it gets it really. gets a little rough. They do, they do. You know, instead well, of, I, instead, I, of know, instead of
2: instead of like going instead of. It's, a, it's basically a blueprint, man, how yeah. to be a millionaire, and child baseball. So it's what you do. Some people, I mean, I'm not jumping this long, I'm just like, just let you know, like, how it's crazy it is. So some people in a franchise buy a different organizations, they'll be up to franchise fee. Next thing you know, you may see these figures out just off that. You control your uniforms. Most people control their uniforms. So now every team, you got 40 teams, everybody paying 350 uniform, 350 times 12 per kid. Ugh. Bro, that's a lot. So uh. then you have facility. They charge the people facility costs. Man, bro, what I'm saying is, if you don't, <laughs> if, if you don't make at least man fifty thousand dollars as a parent household, because like I tell people all the time, this is my pitch to sponsors. The average startup cost to play baseball is three hundred dollars because you got to buy a cleats, you got to buy a bag. these, Because like in rent baseball back in the day. Coaches brought their helmets and bats and stuff. I, right, used to right. with I remember feet. carrying that stuff as a kid. Yes, it's crazy now. Catch man, you have your own stuff. Yes, man. So by the time you spend all that, you get your back bag, you know, your glove. You're spending at least three hundred dollars. That's the startup cost. You know, so man, I'm trying to get it to where you know, um, you know, the startup cost, man, could be you know. Not three hundred dollars. You know what I'm saying? That way they could, that way they could at least be in the game to learn the game. Right. And that's why red baseball is dying because child baseball just is, is. And that's where kids most first learn the game of baseball at. Yeah. Now that's I know I'm kind of off topic, but uh now kids is forced to pay three hundred dollars just to learn the game of baseball. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah,
0: that's wild, man. And then you have parents on top of that going, okay, I paid all this money. Why is not my kid batting forth? Why isn't he, yeah. kind of awesome? is he hitting balls? Yes, You're his coach. Like, coaches, coach. Is coach. I, I, yep. I follow so many of these accounts, and I sit in half my Twitter feed. Is is these coaches going, look, let the coaches, let the kid be a kid, let the coach be a coach, and let him have fun. Yes, Everything else is, 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 is will happen. Yeah. You know, yep, yep. Hard work beats talent every yep. day. That's it, brother. That's it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, you know, I have seen a couple guys on uh, – I have seen a couple guys. And you mentioned one guy. Uh, can you mention the, the couple of kids that you have uh, on the Baseball America's uh, Top 50 list? I thought I saw a couple on the Twitter account.
2: Yeah, so a, we have – so in our program, man, we have Aiden Harris, man. Uh, he's a Virginia commit, 2024. Uh, he's on a couple – a lot of people in my address, including Baseball America. Uh, that video is from Ben Ballard. He recorded him. Uh, uh, he's on the PG, uh, top, what, 50 mock uh, draft list. Um, then Eric Parker is the same way. He committed, committed to the University of South Carolina. Another top 100 player that's going to be on the draft boards coming up soon. Uh, he's, he's at like 89 on the bump, you know, 2024. So he's a 10th grader. Um, but he's a dog shortstop as well uh then you know uh on our 2026 team we have Gary sheffield son christian okay. um he's gonna be just like his dad oh my gosh him and all we coach both <laughs> so it's crazy man this how so gary has never let anybody coach his sons except him except me now it's crazy uh, that like he, i'm the first person he trusted man so that, that says a lot so we have christian man he's gonna be out, up there, I man, he's already, you know, a high talented guy. A lot of schools recruiting on North committed the first thing. We have Miami committee domain Ben. Uh he's the number two outfielder in the 2025 class. Right now, he's he's gonna be on the draft board for the 2025 class. Uh we had a number one first baseman in the country in the 2025 class, Donovan Jeffrey. Uh same thing with our 13 team team. We have Jaborski Lane, former NFL player, son Jaborski. Uh, Reggie, Reggie Marshall, you know, his son of, I mean, his dad is a college coach, um, Reggie Marshall. Um, man, we have so many, that's why I was like, it's crazy. I'm doing a service to a kid, to kids, right? You know, the, the right way. But man, I'm getting attacked from million dollar organizations, man, because basically they losing the recruitment game of me being genuine. And like, bro, it's crazy. I'm not going to call them out because I'm not that type of guy, even though they called me out. But um, man, like they would call me out on Twitter, man, say this is not a real scout team, you know. Uh, he just get want to get a talk kids. and you know, and next thing you know, we in a group text like men, the main scouts, the head scout just laughing, man, cause like you know it's crazy, man. Cause okay, so like okay, you never ever heard of a 13 scout team? Most people have it, right? But the Padres right. are smart. I they went with it, so like it's crazy. We posted it on Instagram. I get a call ten minutes. That's how the internet set on fire, man. Ten minutes. Padres come like, hey, man, you know, we saw your Twitter post. We love it. You know, you uh, know, a lot of people talking about it. You know, we don't scout 13-year-olds, but he said, this is the thing. When these kids, in three to four years, when it's time to scout these kids, and it's, we got to choose between that kid and another kid, we're picking that kid because right. you coach them and we already being followed. So it's a benefit to us. So you know, he said, so Just a northern noise. is uncommon. so you're going to get that type of tweets and stuff like that. Right. But he said, just stay the course. Be behind you. If they want to fact check, we'll, we'll do all of that. So that's really all I needed, man. But it's it's been a whirlwind. I'm trying to tell you, man, for right. real. Right.
0: But they ain't taking no 29-year-old wash-up shortstop, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: you know I man, I'm trying to tell you, yes sir, yes sir. I'm trying to tell you, yes sir. Do you yes, do,
0: do you play any rec ball? So I'm I i i have I played rec ball for about 20 years now and uh uh-huh. do you play any rec ball?
2: No man, but I'm super active in the practices. You would think I I I, I play Rec Ball, man, for real. <laughs> I like can't picture you saw man. Hey, I was getting
0: it, man. I'm trying to tell you. Yes, sir, yes, sir. Okay, so do you got you got anything coming up? Is there anything uh you know we obviously yeah. want, we want the info on on the organization, but also you get anything coming up any any uh, tournament coming up in spring or soon? You know, yeah, college so,
2: study real soon. Uh, so right now the guys are about to transition to high school for the okay. So uh, our first tournament will be in April, April twenty second. We are going to try to do a scout day um sometime in April as well, like towards May. Um, that way we can get the Padres scouts there. You know, we're going to try to have it maybe in Virginia or North Carolina. So, you know, we'll keep everybody updated on that. Um, we have a big fundraiser we're going to have. Um, we're about to kick off. Um, it's going to be online. So, uh, you know, you can follow us on the Padres scout team, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook accounts. Uh, more information on that. Um, you know, be on, be on the lookout for some big stuff man you know we're you know we, we may be on netflix i'm gonna just say something like you know, so don't uh you know take a look at that um you <laughs> don't know um,
0: that. don't 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 yeah that. Man. No. Yes,
2: sir. Yes, sir, <laughs> man um yeah man uh so really man uh, uh of course you know we continue to check out our youtube series that we have on youtube and uh that's generating a, a, a lot of you know uh, viewers man um that that's not even baseball fans, so right. uh, take a look at that, but yeah, uh as of right now, this is the off season, so it's not really too too much going, just really just trying to get fundraising stuff in place and uh that way we can continue to help these kids out man the year. The goal is to, to create generational opportunities, man, so right.
0: Right. So, real quick, what what kind
2: of fundraiser are you going to be? Is it going to be an uh, auction or are you guys in a.? Yeah, yeah. So, it's going to be an online raffle. Um, we're raffling off an uh, Xbox Series X, um, a pair, because it's for the kids right here, a pair of Jordan 11. Kind of cool grades, man. It's real super popular shoe, man. Everybody want them. You know, <laughs> um, everybody want them. So, in a in 50 inch TV. So, um, we'll be raffling them three items off, man. And uh, hopefully, you know, three lucky people on a house or three cool, you know, equipment. You know the operates. Right. Yes, sir.
0: Well, we We really appreciate you coming on, man. This was uh, this was cool. I, I, you know, social media. Your your Twitter feed came across my my Twitter feed on the Fires in the Farm site. Uh, I'm like, hey, we got to talk to this guy. Let's do yes sir. Isn't
2: the videos. Yeah, man, it was awesome, man. Um. I want to definitely come back on. You know, I have I have so much to share, man, with you guys. As because I'm a grown man, I feel like I'm gonna be in this organization for a while. Um, you know, I I I just don't want to, like I said, go to the ladder because I'm trying to build baseball up from the grassroots first. Yeah. So as I do that, man, uh, you will see me more, you know, in the San Diego area. But yeah, man, uh, just trying to continue to. Help out the Padres as much as I can and definitely help out these kids on and off the field. You know? so you're making Any a difference in
1: people's lives. That's yeah. fantastic. Oh man,
2: that's the main thing. Yeah. That, that's 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 the joy. I don't care how much money I make. If I if I know a kid, I made a difference in the kid's life, man. That's all I need right here. Yeah. For yeah. real.
0: Seriously. Yeah, that's yeah. absolutely the way I live my life as well. Yes, um, if you find yes, yourself out at Petco Park, you have my cell phone we're definitely yes, gonna come on at the end of the season. And uh, we'll take you out to it. Well, you'll probably be able to take us out to a game because you'll get better seats than us. <laughs> but uh, certainly we'd love to buy you a beer and have you come on um, come on the podcast again. That's and nice. uh, we really appreciate you coming on, Ray. We'll talk to you later. All right. Thank you, man. I really appreciate you guys. It's your thing. Do what you want to do. I can tell you who the fuck you to. It's your thing.